0: with the second pick in the 2017 NFL Draft the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky quarterback, North Carolina with the 10th pick in the 2017 NFL Draft the Kansas City Chiefs select Patrick Mahomes, the second quarterback. It's one week until the NFL Draft on High Motor by BetMGM. When I say it like that, it sounds like we're doing a live broadcast of the draft. I was listening back to Monday's episode again this morning. I really enjoyed that one. So if you haven't, we discussed early NFL win totals. We also circled back to our conversation On the betting value of the number three pick, what the right strategy is to take, if that field's jump did anything for that, uh, when you guys are looking at numbers on BetMGM.com. So go back and circle to that episode if you are going to take that bet for the number three pick. That is, the number three one is one of more than 100 NFL draft specials on BetMGM.com. As of right now, Wednesday night, there are 117 draft specials and they're adding more every day and we're going to do an NFL draft to start here and then we're going to come back later with some notes on MLB underdogs because i feel like this is a a record and a stat and i want to get your take on it that deserves your attention it's been a very bizarre start to the season so instead of beating the draft to death we're going to close with maybe 5 or 6 minutes on MLB this uh what first three weeks of the season here some very crazy historical numbers our friends that run the social channels at betmgm Wondered if it'd be cool to do, we were talking about like, should we do a mock draft? Because everybody does a mock draft. It's really hard to compete with the, the internet traffic of that. And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I'm not a film grinder. You're not a film grinder. What's the point of putting on a mock draft if you're, if you're not actually scouting these players? So we we were talking about what if you do a mock draft that's based only on odds? And this was their idea to come up with all 32 picks based exclusively on like the favorite for that slot or the position like there are only odds for the top two picks so you'd take Lawrence and Wilson there as the favorites for uh the odds for the number one overall pick the odds for number two overall pick and then you would take the position with the highest odds for the rest of the team so like looking at number four for the Falcons QB has the best odds at plus 140 tight end is plus 160 so you're taking a quarterback for them in this mock draft so whomever's you know big board you like You give them one of the Niners' leftover quarterbacks. Then we started wondering, could this be a more accurate mock draft than like a normal predictive mock that gets not many picks right? Like mock drafts do not do well. They get like five, six, seven, maybe eight picks right. I don't know, but I want your take on this. I want to ask you, since you have a better grip on the the handicapping side of this and if you truly believe in can these favorites actually be this pick? Do you think a favorites-based mock draft would do better than a predictive mock? Any feel for that? I mean, right
1: off the cuff, I don't know how much of a feel for it I have, but I, I think if, if you're wondering about like, which would be more accurate, I almost think it's missing the point of what a mock draft is. Cause it's, it's just like pornographic entertainment, basically. I mean, that's, that's what a mock draft, nobody knows. And, and the amount of cascading variables where the odds build on themselves and get lower and lower and lower, like eight, forget about 20 picks into the draft, eight picks into the draft almost every year, something weird has happened. Everybody's mock draft is blown up. It's the point of it is not to be accurate. It's just, you know, there's a reason 20 years ago we didn't have mock draft 37.0, you know, the two weeks before the draft it's. It's this whole community that's built up around, well, we need something to talk about. I mean, I know that's a lame answer and I'm kind of ruining Christmas for everybody, but like that's that's why we do these, right? It's not to be right.
0: Well, we don't even know, as we've talked about at Nas in the last couple of weeks, we don't know who the number three pick is. So like when we anybody who does a mock draft, they're gonna get one and two right, and beyond that, they're guessing for every single slot. They might know that that like the Cowboys really like Patrick Sertain, but they don't know if he'll be there. They don't know if he'll take him. Like, they might love him at 10, but they might trade back with the Patriots, for example. So you make a good point. Like, they'll get one and two right because we all just know based on reporting and the fact that the Jaguars have already given Trevor Lawrence a playbook. But we don't even know who the number three pick is going to be. So why why even discuss the yeah, action? So why do we know who 22 is going to be? Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe that was a dumb question. I'm still going to do it because I'm very curious that type of mock and how it lands. But anyways... I'm, I'm curious to too,
1: by the way. I don't mean to totally shut your concept down. I think it's a really interesting question. Uh, I just, I, I don't know off the top. And I, I think coming at it from a, from an accuracy standpoint on the, on the, on the front end seems, uh, you know, I think that there are more interesting conversations to have. I am interested after it's over to look back and see which was more accurate.
0: Yeah, I will do it, and I'll tweet it out, at BetMGM. It'll be on BetMGM.com, and we'll circle back after the draft to actually see if it was more accurate than whomever's mock draft you like. But I was going back through some historical stuff over the last week, and going back to last year's draft to start, five defensive players were taken in the top ten of last year's draft, right? Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Derek Brown, Isaiah Simmons, and then C.J. Henderson. A year earlier in 2019, seven, seven defensive players were taken in the top ten, of the 2019 draft. I'm going to throw some numbers out here, so I hope I don't lose you. Over the last 10 years, it's been an average of 4.2 defensive players in the top 10, which is generally in that ballpark historically, like over 10-year periods, 10-year period that's somewhere like in the 4.3, 4.4, 4.5 range. And over time, like over a 60-year period, it's generally in like 4.5 defensive players uh, in the top 10. We might have none this year. And when I was looking up those numbers, I don't know if it was necessarily confirmation bias, but I wanted to see like how dramatic this is that we might not get a top 10 defensive pick this year. And when looking that up, I started pretty low. Like, When was the last time a defensive player wasn't drafted in the top five? Because that's going to happen this year. Like, A defender is not going in the top five this year. And over the last 15 years, it's only happened once in which a defender did not go in the top five. I think it was 2012, and then back to uh, 2005 was the last one before that. Then I extended it to the top eight. That hasn't happened since the 1940s, and then I went to the top ten, and just, I think it was a year earlier, the defense hasn't been shut out of the top ten since the 1940s. There's no, like, huge conclusion on this, and I wrote about this, and I, I didn't write about it as, like, some big theory article of how the NFL is dramatically changing and all that bullshit, because we have no idea... The point being is there's no really conclusion other than this is nuts. And when I was writing about it, I wanted to get like a sense of are other people talking about this? Like it, are people talking about the lack of defensive players that can go in the top 10? And I was, as I was glancing around, it seems like there are mentions here and there of like a weak edge class. There's no Jeff Okuda type corner prospect, but there's no like overwhelming coverage of, We might not get a defensive player in the top 10. I know that we don't love doing, hey, nobody's talking about this or we're not talking about this enough, but this seems so huge to me that I'm kind of shocked it's not getting more attention. And I'm sure like if nobody goes in the top 10, like Mike Greenberg will mention it on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, like it will come up at some point, but we're going into an NFL draft. One year after, well, seven players the year before, five players last year. So 12 total players in the top 10 the last two years. And we might not have a single one in the top 10. Does this blow your mind as well? Or am I kind of just overblowing this?
1: It's surprising for sure. I mean, it's definitely a a historic kind of note. I do think we need to see what happens at 10. I mean, if, if a defensive player goes at 10... I think your point still pretty much stands. Like, yes, technically in the top 10, but it's it's still a trend. I think it's it's just as much about the talent that's available in this particular draft as it is a comment about bad teams feel like they, they need to change their fortunes with offense first. I think it, it comes from a lot of different places. I'm fascinated by this this prop about how many defensive players will go in the first round. It's not the type of thing, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you probably know, this is not the type of thing I like to bet commonly. I don't do this very often except for like the Super Bowl and maybe a couple of other special occasions. But I'm really starting to get into the idea of this prop. And if it moves just a little bit more, I'm really thinking about betting it.
0: What number are you staring at? So when you say moves a little bit more, so it's over... Our total defensive player is drafted in round one. This is on betmgm.com. Over 13 and is at minus 115. Under 13 and is at minus 105. Are you just waiting for that to go up to 14?
1: Yeah, the, the way the VIG is trending there, it suggests that people are betting the over, and I'm guessing that this is just people coming to the table and saying, well, 13 and There's 32 picks in the first round. Like That's a simple math. Over. If it goes to 14, I'm hitting this under because... I have looked, like we were just talking about how useless mocks are in terms of actually being predictive measures. Nonetheless, I looked at several mocks yesterday and today, and a lot of them have 12 or 13 defensive players going in the first round. I don't think that's an accident. I also think when you factor in the idea that late first round, you will often see teams trade up that have no picks remaining they'll trade up into the very end of the first round to maybe reach just a little bit on a quarterback because they want to make sure they get the guy it's it's basically like a second round pick in the first round like they just don't want to wait anymore so I, I i'm pretty sure i remember like the that's how the ravens got Lamar jackson maybe like that you see that sometimes that 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 late first round trade and you reach on a guy that might otherwise fall to the second round I think you could see something like that happen and you could actually get even more offensive players going, maybe one or two extra that we're not even accounting for right now in the back half of the first round. When you look at how a lot of people are projecting, generally speaking, this first round is going to go, as you've alluded to, it's a lot of offensive players up front. It's a lot of linemen, receivers, and quarterbacks in the first 10, 12, 15 picks, and then it kind of evens out a little bit over the back half of the first round. Even as it is right now, you might have 12 or 13 defensive players go, and if you start to see a couple of late first round trades that take even more of those spots away, that right now we are penciling in as defensive players, late first round defensive players, I think the under here could be like not even in contest late. I, I mean, I think it might be a, a pretty easy bet. And I do like the fact that it's a little bit numerically contrarian. Like People, as I said, are probably looking at this and thinking, oh, over 13.5, that should be easy, 32 picks. The fact that the number is that low in the first place, that that's where bookmakers said it, that should tell you something.
0: couple of things here. Yeah, I am surprised that you, you mentioned – this before the show. And I was curious what your logic behind it was, because this does not feel like something that you normally take a couple of things on this. I mean, you mentioned looking at mock drafts and even though mocks are a crapshoot and they don't do well in terms of actually picking like the correct player to the correct team. Generally the ones at least that I trust whom they might have inside information like the McShays and the Kuypers and the Matt Millers, and even like Kyle Krabs and those guys from uh, the draft network. Generally they do pretty well with picking the players in that go in that first round. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it's somewhere like 25, 26, sometimes like 27 of the players they'll get right over a three round period. It'll be cause I, m- I remember seeing stuff last year after Friday night. Someone did like a review of the of the mocks and I think the better mocks would get like 85, 86, 87 of like in the ballpark of 100 players right. They're not getting that many correct, the exact player and pick to that team. But generally, mocks do a pretty good job because I know like mock people get ripped on and NFL draft analysts get ripped on. But they are talking to teams. They are talking to scouts. They are talking to agents. Like they do have a feeling of how to cut through the clutter, even though they have a hard time actually predicting these specific player. They do get that right, so I think that you're you're 100 spot on with that. Like we can use mocks a little bit for something like this. The other thing being is that, I mean, talking about the math part of it. Even if, let's say we get one. I mean, I don't know Patrick Sertan or maybe somebody reaches for Quitty Pay or J C Horn goes a little bit higher than we expect. One of those two. One of those players goes in the top ten. Over the next 22 picks, let's say this number does bump up to 14. So you would need to hit 15 defensive players to to get the over on this. You're talking about getting 13, 14, maybe 15 defensive players over the final 22 picks. I mean, talk about just, like you said, just flipping the math on that. An average person that walks in and sees, oh, 13 and a half. I mean, it's going to go over. If you just flip the math on that and take five seconds to look at a mock draft and how as it sits right now, a defensive player is not going in the top eight. Like I would be beyond shocked if a defensive player were in the top eight. Well, and and the
1: the marketplace isn't going to let it happen at this point. I mean, we talk about the marketplace and betting so often. The same principles apply to the draft. And when everybody is trying to pick a quarterback or a wide receiver in the top eight or Kyle Pitts or or one of these sexy sort of options, the marketplace is going to up the price for trading into that. And you have to really want to be there for one of those offensive players for these defensive players, that price, it, you're not going to be able to command that you it's, it's just not going to be worth it. If you're trying to buy up that way, unless you're going after offense.
0: One question uh, on this to follow up before we move on. I'm not exactly sure what the, what the exact layout is going to be for live betting for the NFL draft and BetMGM.com. But let's say for example, there is live betting. Like this number is one of the available live bets and it, it just runs through. So, like the odds are updated with each pick. So right now, let's just say it stays at 13 and a half. After the first eight picks, in which I'm pretty certain that a defensive player is not going to go, what's going to happen to that number? Like, even though it's not surprising at all, like anybody could spend five minutes looking around at NFL draft coverage, even if they haven't paid attention to anything, and realize, hey, a defensive player is probably not going in the top eight. So let's say there is live betting for this. And after that eighth pick, we have eight offensive players off the board. And now we're sitting at 13 and a half with what, 24 to go, and you need 14 guys and 24 picks. What's going to happen to that number, even though nothing has been surprised? That number is going to move, right? And you're going to pay a premium on that.
1: Yeah, maybe not as much as you think, though, because like you said, I, I think anybody with half a brain that's paying any attention can look at just the most basic of draft coverage and see, hey, like we're we're not going to have any defensive players in the in the first eight. I think it could go from like right now it, the the under is thirteen five and the VIG is one oh five. I think it could go to like thirteen one ten or thirteen one fifteen. So you don't under.
0: think the number itself I, will move?
1: I, I don't see a lot of movement there because okay. that's it's baked into the cost at this point. Everybody who's betting this probably knows there's not gonna be any defensive players in the top eight.
0: So on Monday's episode you went a little different than usual. You stayed in the same ballpark as that episode's conversation with NFL win totals, talking about the 49ers, that number at 10. Are you, are you staying with the draft this time, or are you going off the map a little bit?
1: I think it will be no surprise to our long-standing subscribers that know where my interests lie. That I am diving head first this weekend into the first round of the FCS playoffs, Andrew Dowd. Get
0: that Illinois State. <laughs>
1: I have PTSD Uh-oh. with Illinois State. Let's let's not do that again. Are they in it this year? They are not. Oh. They shut their season down because they couldn't. So
0: James Robinson out. can't burn you this year for free. James 15K. Robinson.
1: James Robinson made me my money back because I just kept betting Jacksonville garbage time covers. So yo, know, we're, we're gonna call it square. No beef. There.
0: All right, what do you got for FCS?
1: I got a couple that I like, uh, so I, I'm going to give you a couple of leans first, and then I'm going to end with my, my real pick that I, I'm really going to lock in for the air horn this week. Uh, I kind of like Sam Houston and Monmouth over 60.5. These, I mean, if you follow FCS at all, these are two offensive teams. Like, Sam Houston has scored 60 points in, like, two games this year, and keep in mind, this is a season where, like, most teams only played five or six games. So, Sam Houston can score just like they always could. Monmouth definitely an offensive team. They're dropping 35, 42 points a game like in that realm. I'm surprised this number is this low actually. And one of the things I'm curious about betting these totals is you know the SCS playoffs, uh, along with you know playoffs in most sports, have this reputation of, oh, you know you, once you get to the postseason, you know, defense like we're gonna have we're gonna have lower scoring games, the defenses are gonna step up. And I think to some extent that's true, but you're also talking about a sport that like pretty much every year of its existence until now, the games were played in December. So obviously you're going to have more gritty, lower scoring games when there's potential for snow on the ground when you're playing. Now you're talking about playing a playoff game in late April in Texas, you know, so that's maybe, I mean, you, you maybe could see something that looks more like a Big 12 spring game. I am not at all afraid to bet over 60 and a half. I think this number is soft. I don't think they are taking into account when this game is being played relative to when it usually is. I certainly don't think it's respecting the offensive firepower of these two games, so I'm probably going to be betting the over in this. Uh, JMU VMI, I'm thinking about laying the 14 with JMU. I'm not sure yet, it is on my radar. The one that I really like here is Eastern Washington and North Dakota State. And I told somebody this uh, earlier today on we're recording this on Wednesday and they said, really, you' you're thinking about you're thinking about betting Eastern Washington against North Dakota State and you know that they're, they're missing I think a, a key defensive player and look this has nothing to do with the teams. This has nothing to do with betting against North Dakota State. This has nothing to do with anything. You're telling me. The team that has won nine of the last ten national championships is playing at home, and they're a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Like, what do we always say about the number six-and-a-half betting football on this podcast? That is a bait line. And when you're talking about the defending national champion land six-and-a-half, they are begging you to bet North Dakota State here. The number has already gone to seven. So now I get Eastern Washington plus the full touchdown Tell you another thing I like about this game, besides just the Eastern side, the total is 54 and a half. Now that's interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, I don't think North Dakota State can stop Eastern Washington's quarterback who might win the Walter Payton award. It's like the offensive Heisman for FCS. Uh, Eric Berry, very talented. He's going to get his. They cannot stop him. I don't think the Eastern Washington defense can stop North Dakota State's offense, so I don't know who's going to get stops in this game. This this to me seems like another pretty high-scoring game. The fact that North Dakota State has not played in a game all year that has reached 54 points and yet the total in this is 54 and a half tells me everything I need to know. I think Eastern Washington win or lose is going to dictate the pace of this game. So I like North Dakota State And Eastern Washington over 54 and a half. I like Eastern Washington plus the seven. We're getting the full touchdown now. And I'm gonna parlay these together on top of straight bets on both the side and the total. I'm gonna be all over that game. I'm gonna have several positions.
0: We're gonna close the show with some baseball talk, specifically focusing on what underdogs have done. It is what April 21st now, so over exactly three weeks of the season. And these numbers as of yesterday, so as of Tuesday, underdogs were 115 and 119. And when I first saw that number, I thought, okay, they're 115. I don't bet a whole lot on baseball. They're 115, 119 against the run line. They're 115 and 119 against the on the money line this year. So straight up, 115 and 119 again as of Tuesday. And that number seemed outrageous, but I wanted to get the context. So our guy John Ewing Uh, data analyst for BetMGM, he pulled this, and in a typical 162-game season, I'm not going to include last year's numbers, even though they generally follow the same trend line, but over a typical 162-game season, over the last, I have 2013 through 2019 uh, here, the underdogs typically finish about 350 to 450 games below 500. So you can take four games under 500 right now, extrapolate it over the next six, five and a half months or so. And it's obviously nowhere near 300 to 400. And I know that you've been pounding baseball lines and doing pretty well over the first three weeks. Have you been hitting the underdogs really hard here? And I guess the bigger question is, because we're looking forward, do you think that the market will correct itself where you might start playing more favorites on the money line? Or are you going to keep rolling with the dogs on the money line?
1: Well, I think uh to so the start of this conversation is i've been playing underdogs and short favorites and, and this is probably the the first or second best start to a baseball season i've ever had i also had a really good start in 2018 i think i was i hit like 16 games in a row that spring so good start now what i've been doing is very simple i'm looking at the numbers i'm looking at the 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 money lines and saying why is this team favored? And if it doesn't really make sense, I'm betting it. Like, so, I mean, that's really all I'm doing. Uh, so, we, I mean, we, we say all the time on this podcast, you don't bet the teams, you bet the numbers. That's how you become a sharp gambler, is you bet numbers, you don't bet teams. So that's kind of what I'm doing. I'll give you an example. Right now, in a game that's not even over yet, this is Wednesday afternoon, I bet the Twins-A's game. The A's are better. They're healthier. There are seven different reasons I could give you why Oakland would be the team you would like to win this game. Minnesota Open is a minus 120 favorite. I bet Minnesota. They're on the road. It's in Oakland. I bet Minnesota. They're up 10-9 to in the top of the eighth inning. So this is a game that could kind of go either way. But Minnesota has led for, I would say, 60-65% to of the game. And I'm convinced they're probably the right side to be on. Now the game might not go my way, but I read that correctly, and I th- I think and and actually there was there was a lot of movement that went against Minnesota before the, we got first pitch. So I ended up getting them at plus 100 instead of minus 120. I track where the money is. If I see a case where you know we've got reverse line movement, I see a notation that. You know, 88% of the money is on this team, but it only has 26% of the tickets, something like that. And if the movement checks out, then yeah, I'm going to back that underdog. Uh, baseball is generally a sport because some of these money lines can get so big. You don't end up in the black by betting big favorites. You know, if, you, if your strategy is, well, I'm going to load up and I'm going to bet the Dodgers every game, you're going to get killed because yeah, you're going to win a lot of games But the ones you lose, you're going to get wiped out on if you're laying, you know, 300, 350 against bad teams. Like the Rockies are going to take some games off them at some point. It's going to happen and you're going to get wiped out. So, generally speaking, if the line doesn't make sense, I'm betting it. If I like how the money is tracking, I'm betting it. And I'm chasing down short favorites and modest underdogs, plus 140 or less. Don't give me any of the crazy stuff. I don't want to throw my money away with plus two ten underdogs. Just light stuff like that. And one other thing I'm doing is, uh, and, and this is a pretty common sharp tactic in baseball, you lay money for plus odds if with a run line when you have an American League team hosting a National League team. Tuesday, the Yankees hosted the Braves. The Yankees have not had a good start to the season but I got them at minus one and a half plus half, plus one sixty, And I maybe got a little bit lucky cause I got some, some kind of bullshit runs there in the eighth inning and ended up winning the bet when maybe I shouldn't have. But the point is you lay the money on run lines with American league teams who are hosting because they have an advantage in an American league ballpark where their rosters generally have a designed DH. Like they have intentionally brought somebody onto the roster for that DH spot where National League teams generally don't have that. So there is an advantage specifically with run lines in cross-league games that are hosted by American Parks.
0: Do you put all of your baseball bets on Action Network? Yes. Great, so you can follow them there. I thought you put some of them, but I wasn't sure if you did uh, all of them. All right, we'll be back on Monday for NFL Draft Week. Hoping that we'll have a strong draft guest. Going to lock that down uh, for Monday's episode. So hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever app you're using. That'll be NFL draft content available uh, when you wake up on Monday. And remember to check out all those draft props on BetMGM.com. Ping us on Twitter at HighMotorPod if you want anything specifically talked about. On Monday's episode, it might be the final episode before the draft. We're still going to decide on that, but that might be the final episode before the draft. So hit us up on Twitter, at High uh if you have any specific questions about those 117-some-odd draft props on BetMGM.com. Thank you for dropping by. We will see you back on High Motor by BetMGM on Monday. I saw a friend today, it had been a while. And we forgot each other's name. But it didn't matter cause deep inside the feeling still remained the same. We talked of knowing one before you
1: met and how you feel more than you see,
0: and other worlds that lie in spaces